Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for November 25th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welch from HockeyHurts.com. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. Uh, Hope everybody survived their families and potentially the crazy shopping day afterwards. We will talk about a bunch of turkeys this week. Um, <laughs> Pittsburgh comes to mind. They're playing some bad hockey. And we will continue our streak. The Oilers are too good to talk about. Well, they're too good to be this bad. And, uh, yeah, from a results standpoint, uh, they, are, they have been bad. Some underlying numbers are actually pretty good for them, so... Um, we'll talk about that and the people that overreact to this stuff and kind of ignore, you know, certain stats that may tell a better picture and give you better uh, perspective of what's actually happening. Um, and others, you know, they just ignore and whine that people criticize their um, analysis. So, yeah. I suppose it was always going to happen to the Edmonton media. They've got the best player in the world, right? The way they report on the team and the way they report on the sport was always going to get into the spotlight because everybody's interested in what the Oilers are doing now for the right reasons as opposed to the wrong reasons. And they're still giving us the wrong reasons because they're still losing games that, you know, theoretically they dominate in possession. But... If they can't, if the media can't dissect it properly, they're going to cut flack. Yeah, and they are a top five expected goals team. That's really good. They are the second overall possession team, fifty-four point one four for Corsi four percentage. That's good. And <coughs> let me. And their bottom six for goaltending and bottom four for shooting percentage wow i can't imagine what's happening here so my my question here is i guess we're starting with edmonton right (laughs) well well, there's no point moving off this now we're we're here we might as well we might as well do it ken talbot hasn't been a disgrace though no but he was really good last year and it kind of hit some of their actual problems well, last year yeah and that was that was one of the things that i remember both of us saying at, at the start of the year was talbot was amazing last year if he falls back to just normal it, is that going to be enough to to you know help edmonton through at the moment you would suggest no <laughs> no because their shooting's not that great and when you look at their forward depth that's not great either and you know, you lose Jordan Eberle. That's Taylor Hall. The, the, who's having a heart-caliber season, to be honest. That's funny. Yeah, no, no, he certainly is. Uh, his certainly his scoring chances are lopsided in favor of the Devils when he's on the ice. He is getting some tangible offense. I think he's got like 24 points in 21 games or something like that. But you know you got to get that number four defenseman. 
I don't know whether we're going to end up being an Edmonton bashing podcast or whether it's going to be a cheer rally bashing season. To be honest, because I I think they're two separate they're two separate things. I don't think that the players can really do much more than they currently are. I mean, they've got more of the puck than the other team, unless they're shooting from the outside. And I haven't looked at Micah's. Uh, heat maps to see whether they are. They don't strike me as a king's style. Perimeter shot, just shoot for the sake of shooting team. That said, though, their possession without McDavid is substantially worse. And when he has the occasional game where he does get beaten, then the whole team craters. Yeah, in a game like last night, he... uh, I watched the Buffalo game, and he... No, it's not like he was playing bad, but he he wasn't going having one of those special games, and the team went nowhere. It's almost like if he doesn't do anything, nobody will. And I'm not well, sure it's fair to him. Milan Lucic on his wing, come on, give me a break. That, you, you're not you're not wrong with the the Lucic comment, but it is it it's it's a little it's interesting when. People would complain that Crosby doesn't have good wingers, but he could still produce with the wingers that he had. The difference was, though, that one of them, one of those wingers was Chris Kunitz, who's a very cerebral player and is great at releasing players to keep their speed. And the other one was Pascal Dupuis, who had speed to burn. Might not have had the hands that would have got him a few more points around the traps, but he had speed to burn and could get to where he needed to be. They're not giving McDavid those kinds of players. He doesn't have to have superstars, but Milan Lucic is not Chris Kunitz when it comes to deft little tip plays and deft little um, aerial area passes and stuff like that to, to give McDavid speed to go. And who else on that team has the kind of speed that, you know, Dupuis has? And yeah, I'm using Sid as the comparison, but... That's because we know Pittsburgh so well, and Sid, you know, up until last year was considered the best player in the world. So you you don't have to spend a, a fuckload of money on his line mates, but you do have to give him players with the tool sets to make the most out of McDavid. At the very least, stop trading them away. That would be an advantage, yes, totally. And Dreisaitl is a great player to play with McDavid, unfortunately... You know, they kind of have to split them because of the money they should be, and the depth. They should be splitting them. Yep, exactly. Even without the money, they should have been trying to split them. It's like having those two together should have been like the two-headed monster in Pittsburgh. Do it, but don't do it all the time. They should be using it more often than they do now, which is zero. But um, you can't. You need to have that one-two set of lineup, and RNH should be if RNH, if they can have RNH be their third-line center, if they don't trade him away as well, um, then I think they've actually got a good spine to produce stuff. But I just, it just seems like they're wasting these early years of McDavid's. They're already peak. wasted. Already wasted. <sighs> Shows you how much. The Athletic had a great piece on what the team could look like right now versus what what it does by just not making any trades. Barzel from the Islanders, who was one of the draft picks for Griffin Reinhardt. 
He got Taylor Hall. He got Eberle. What was the other one? I think there's one more. I mean, even Nail Yakupov for nothing. Justin Schultz for nothing. The Schultz one I kind of get, though. I don't think he was... He felt to me like he was a have to go somewhere else to actually get the most out of who he was. He could have got just as good a success anywhere but in Edmonton than he has in Pittsburgh, I reckon. Yeah, but they totally botched that themselves. That was self-inflicted. Yep. I don't think Schultz that, is uh, magically a different player now. No, but that's just the problem with <laughs> this franchise at the moment. All of the problems that are sort of whacking them in the face, they're all of their own doing. You know, Sikera is not going to come in when he gets back from injury and suddenly turn the way this team transitions out of the zone. Yeah, everybody will filter down the lineup a little bit better and they won't be playing minutes above their head, but... You know, Sakara's not Drew Doughty. He's not Eric Carlson. The, he's not going to have that big an impact in regards to changing the way this team moves. And that, you know, second-pairing defenseman that they threw Taylor Hall away to get is not a transitional defenseman. He's good at he's good at zone um, zone protection. Um, but in regards to his biggest skill set, he doesn't really help you transition out of the zone. Schultz does. But yes, and I'm glad he does it for Pittsburgh now, I tell you. They, it's a it's a toxic environment, and um, the, I guess, mainstream media is pretty much the driving force on that. Yep. They're crying the blues on Twitter today. They don't like being criticized. Well, here's the deal. I don't really care where a person works. I care about the product they're putting out. And if you're going to be lazy and come up with a bunch of, you know, half-baked ideas on why things are happening, and just because someone doesn't have a press pass, you're just going to ignore the, somebody who put in work with evidence, and fuck you. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're mainstream. It doesn't matter if you're a blogger. <coughs> Sorry. Who's putting in the work? I think the problem you've got is that they feel that their insider knowledge is is a stronger evidential case than numbers. It's not. That's how it feels when you read it. Oh, no, I know it's not. That's that's how it feels. It's like, well, I'm close to the team. I know what's going on in the locker room. It's like, yeah, you might know that, but tell us why they're not doing anything on the ice. Give us that. And they can't. They don't. They can't be bothered. They're all freaking lazy ass not all of them but they're lazy ass white men who can't be bothered the ones i'm criticizing and it is not everybody because they're crappy bloggers too like real crappy ones that kind of play into this their work isn't all that great but they rip on mainstream media and they don't know how to use the evidence either so it does swing both ways bad is bad Bad is bad. Good is good. And I think anybody that thinks because they have a press pass is immune to criticism, I mean, you're fucking crazy, man. Not not with the internet. Not not now. Was that Ryan Rashaw that said that? 
he's part of this discussion. Spectre's part of the discussion. Um, <clears throat> they, um, they've been at it today. It's just, um, bunch of, bunch of whiny sour grapes. Your work sucks. That's, that's the bottom line. They've been able to get away with it because Edmonton were bad and they're in the last time zone of the day. And now that the spotlight's on them, they're shoddy, lazy. Like, who knows? They might have had great work back when the Oilers were awesome, some of these guys. But they're not I don't to be think sharp. it would be any different. No, but for the if, era, it was. They've just not progressed with their thought process. That's well, that's all. a little bit different because all the games weren't on TV. You did have to rely on a writer to, to do a game story. And that's the other thing. A lot of these guys just do game stories, and nobody gives a shit about that anymore. We can all watch them. Everybody can watch a game at like any time. Like you're in Australia watching games. That that wasn't a thing. Correct. <laughs> and with the game, game stories are some of the most things. game stories with vanilla quotes. I mean, these are the people talking down to other people. Never yeah, a hard question said, asked. Nope. You've said to me a few times that. Um, the, some of the beat writers are just mouthpieces. This is for every team, by the way. Some of the beat writers are just mouthpieces for the, the club. That's what they are. That's what they do. Club and feeds that, them information. They let the information go public. And that's fine, but don't rip on others because they want to do some analysis with the tools available that you're not using. That's not how this should work. No. There's, no, pla- right. there's a place the- for different yep. stuff in here but just to go back to mr specter if i'm a gm Sorry. and i have a player whose game is ruined because of a few articles none of which come remotely close to being as critical as what those same writers face here on twitter i move them can't win with those players mentally weak like yeah jordan Everly's mentally weak um i would like to see mark specter's uh coverage of jordan eberly coming off of his multiple world junior championship clutch goals <laughs> yeah i forget i forget how much of a darling he was before and, he and still a very good player mm. so he's mentally weak because this toxic environment huh i wonder who's who's i wonder who's more attractive here environment the other thing that's um, kind of amazing about this, Everlay and Hall, since leaving the Oilers, have flourished as players in regards to getting out of them what you would expect to get out of them. And you look at the Devils. Taylor Hall has dragged a Devils team to first or second of the Metro division, which is considered the toughest division in the league, unexpectedly. So don't tell me it was Taylor Hall that was the problem in that dressing room. Yeah, it's not like the uh, the New Jersey's better than I thought they'd be, but I don't. I still think it's a little bit of a what was it? I think their shooting percentage is pretty high. I'm not concerned about <clears throat> sorry the save percentage being high because Corey Schneider's really good, but you know he's that team is not a first place Metropolitan team, but they are right now, and a big part of that's Taylor Hall. Yeah, no, exactly right. Absolutely. And the fact that the Islanders are once again pushing to the 
Bars, Barzel and Eberly. Yeah. And I know it could be a little easier on us because we can do some of this in hindsight, but Taylor Hall was going to be good no matter where he was. Like, that one's not a difficult one to work out. Same with Eberly. Yeah. He's not as Absolutely. good as Taylor Hall, but same thing. Yeah. He's not magically a different player in New York. No, that's exactly right. They're probably just putting him in a situation to succeed as opposed to one where everything he does is a failure. And Neville Yakupov was an unfortunate year to have the number one pick. Yeah. Hey, I can't, yeah. It's, that you one can only, was tough, you can, but... You can only pick what's available, and that's the hard part in that situation. You know, I, I, I'll give him a... A pass on that year but you know what about the other seven first overalls <laughs> feels like that doesn't it it, it does but when they when they trade nugent wrong. hopkins he's gonna go and uh, he's wow look at him he looks fine yeah, yeah. of course so who's does. gonna be able to abuse the oilers in that trade who the hell knows I know Chiarelli's been in Buffalo, and Craig McTavish was here in Rochester last night. Must be looking at something in Buffalo. Although Buffalo missed the boat on that Ristolainen and Hall deal, betcha Pagula would like to have that one back, or maybe he doesn't really know or care. Was um, that Ristolainen and Hall? That was Murray, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, that was the year before. Yeah. God, you'd be absolutely... Yeah, that's just mind-boggling. Um, yeah, because whoever... But whoever they both does, need D, so it's like, huh. How does that work? Yeah, I know. Another three-way. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I could see, like, a <laughs> Sam Reinhart. Maybe. What, like a Reinhart for R&H trade? Something like that. Oilers need the space. Buffalo doesn't care. Oh, it's just, just, that's just a trade for the sake of a trade. I think really? it helps Buffalo. No, no. For, for, I'm not looking at it in the, in the Buffalo light whatsoever. You jump all over that if you're Buffalo. But, oh, that's just... I, I'm disappointed because I was hoping the Oilers would... Could be a Vander would, Kane. I think Buffalo would be crazy to do that, to be honest. Yeah. I think they should resign it. But it there is that near about it, I agree. It's a tough one. It is. He's at that, oh, is. that next contract that is going to be more than the last one, but it should have been reversed. Like yeah. his next contract okay. should have been his middle one, and the other one should be the, the uh, it's, it's really, five, I know, two, five I know, one. I know the general manager... You know, obviously try to keep costs down with the way they structure up their um, the salary cap and stuff like that, and how they've structured up the way contracts can be produced. But they need to work out how to get the NHLPA to reverse the way the contract structure is, so that you get paid when you're worth it, and you're not paying people when they're not worth it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know how that happens because all the old guys are the ones in control of the PA. So they're going to be like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. I don't blame them in the self-interest side of things. But for the state of the game, it would be better if the younger guys 
got a chance to get paid early when they deserve it. And then you might see a little bit better salary structure for some of these teams. They might be able to do some stuff, but it never turns out that way. No, not really. So, yeah, Edmonton's got some good possession and expected goals, so it's not like they're an awful team. Some bad luck. But they're, they, they're going to create their own bad luck. You can see how this is going. Yeah. Exactly. The media that carries the water for the team and Chiarelli is, you know, barking back, whining. So, you, you, you know, it's just around the corner until he makes another trade. So, buckle up. <laughs> well, if you're a fan of... Um of the whole adventure of hockey, you've got to be an Edmonton fan, don't you? I mean, you look at everything that's going on there. It's not just about what happens on the ice. Everything else around it is just a circus at the moment. I don't know. Maybe maybe Ian Cole for McDavid, something like that. <laughs> Actually, why the hell did he get scratched? <clears throat> that's a great question, I, I suppose. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's transition. Um, Ian Cole, and I looked at it today. Oh, no. Did I shred that? Yeah, I shredded that piece of paper earlier. Oh, good. <laughs> I have it right in front of me anyways. Um, on Twitter, 53.08 Corsi 4 percentage, relative Corsi 4 percentage, positive 2.41%. So not only is this raw total good, compared to his teammates, it's good. He might be in a bottom pairing role, but whatever. That's the role that he's always kind of been near. Same. Yep. And that leads the Penguins defensemen, both those numbers. Matt Hunwick is in seventh out of seven through. He's only had nine games, mind you. But the guy that replaced Cole was in dead last. So you're replacing the guy who's been with the team for their success the last number of years. A guy that Rutherford deserves a lot of credit for trading for Bertuzzo. It was a very good trade. It was indeed. And, you know, he's not a flashy guy, but he does, um, he plays within himself and for the most part is a help, not a, it doesn't hurt the team. Maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's a trade block piece because they're not going to re-sign him. I don't know. I don't get a healthy scratch for play though. Don't understand Man, they, that they, they, And, you know, maybe he's just not been well and they just healthy scratched him rather than saying he was ill or, you know, complications from when he lost half of his face from the puck, you know, all those kinds of things. So I don't, I just, I saw that and I went, really? You're, you're just putting him in the press box for a game? Well, he's what? leading the, he's leading the D in those, in that possession stuff. And yeah, he took that shot to the face and he's played quite a number of games since then since yeah i know and that's that's the only thing i can I, you, you sort of try to go okay so what's the logic behind it where the hell does this happen and why does it happen i just can't make any sense out of it none whatsoever and the hunwick signing i still don't get i get it coming from rutherford but i don't like it 2.25 come on yeah for two years wasn't it yeah so that's that's not why they're the penguins are struggling if we're being honest 
No, that, they're that, struggling that's because they part lost of it. skill and replaced it with garbage. They're three, five, and two in their last ten. It's probably three, six, and two in their last eleven, or maybe three, seven, and two in their last twelve. Or hasn't been good. They are out of a playoff spot today. They're at yeah. twenty-five points in twenty-four games played. Detroit, yes, that team, is one point behind them with a game in hand. Carolina has three games in hand and is three points behind them. Same with Ottawa. So there are a lot of teams in here, and I'm not saying the Penguins are going to miss the playoffs. I'm saying they could miss the playoffs because shit happens. Their PDO sucks this year. Who knows how far that climbs back. And I don't see anything outside of major trades, which, by the way, they're not exactly in a great spot with their futures to, to land anybody of significance. Rutherford's offseason is objectively a pile of shit. Garbage. Hunwick Absolutely. and Reeves. And look, I'm not saying he should have signed Benino for that contract or Daly no. or any of this. But or, and Cullen, who... I haven't checked in on him in a bit. Um, you know, I, I, I would be willing to bet he's not having a great year because he was showing signs of slowing down last year. But the level of those players in 2016-17, they did not replace it with the 17-18 players. Nope. At all. And it's not even only the depth guys. It just it, it's it looks worse because Sid is pretty crappy, for being honest. Eddie he's closer to being human than normal. Well, he's closer to being Tanner Glass right now, if I'm being honest. Obviously, that's pretty extreme. But as his points <laughs> per sixty, it's like one point one nine. Yeah. I don't. You can't sneeze at that. He's got to be better. And he he does because the load on him and Gino is higher this year than it has been the last two. And Gino's out. That, <clears throat> He's yeah. missed the last few games. That's not helping. But guess what? He misses games during seasons. That's kind of you gotta accept that. That's just that's just what he is. He's, I mean, he's day to day though, so you know. Last year, it was day-to-day for about 12 games. <laughs> day, day-to-day don't mean shit when it's Geno. It might as well be week-to-week. And I'm looking for updates here because it's getting 5 o'clock hour uh, when we're recording this before uh, the 7 o'clock games for Saturday night. Pittsburgh plays Tampa. I haven't seen anything about Malkin yet. So we'll this, have to... this, I, I can't see how Pittsburgh improved the roster. At the start of the year, you made a really good point. The roster as it currently is at game one won't be what it is when you get to game 55 or whatever it is after the trade deadline. Absolutely, it'll be a different team. I just don't see how they've got any pieces available, draft picks, um, unrostered players at the moment playing in the AHL, that can entice the team to give Pittsburgh the type of piece that they need to improve what they currently are. 
They need they need a third line center that can actually push play and produce points. And they they don't have that at the moment. No, Riley Sheehan is not that. He's at. And like, we knew that. Yeah, his offense you knew is that when terrible. They got traded. Yep, and you knew that when he got traded. That that wasn't the. But it's better than having Greg McKegg play as your third line center. But they have to find a way to improve that third line. And, and it has to start producing, which would be moving Phil down to the third line permanently with a center that can finish after Phil creates. I think. And finding a winger for Gino. I think it's going to be easier to find a winger. So I really, and they did it for one game, I think they really have to start thinking about Gensel playing center. So if it's easier to find a winger, are you looking for a winger with skill sets for Sid and Gino and you play Phil on the third? Is that pretty much your line of thinking? Um, Phil doesn't have to play on the third, uh, the quote-unquote third. Yeah. I think Gino, Phil, and Sid should be on their three separate lines. I probably should have worded it that way, yeah. Um, and I think Gensel's going to have to play center, and I think he can. I don't think it's I think a lot of the things he does well would be only amplified playing center. His passing and, and awareness is one of his biggest assets and it playing center you get to get the puck with speed in the middle breaking it out and, and facilitating the puck whereas it's a little more static and you wait for the puck on the wings at times without building up your speed. So I think he could yeah, do well and you know, if the, if the concern is, oh, I don't know how he is defensively, I don't want to hear it. None of them are good defensively. They are a no, shitty defensive team. They are. I don't want to hear about that. I'm so sick and tired of people that can't, quote-unquote, cannot play defense. And that criticism somehow holds up more weight than the players who don't create any offense. Because when the player who can't create offense screws up, there's no way of getting it back. Yeah. Right? Would, like, I they would, have no ability yeah. to push things forward. So, save me the defensive whatever. And this goes into one of my other points. At some point, whether he's ready or not, you have a team that's last in the league at shooting, and you have Daniel Sprong in the AHL, who, what's his, the best thing that he does? I believe it might be shooting. It is shooting. So... <laughs> You can tell Ryan Reeves to have a small break. We're going to actually watch somebody try to play hockey now and see if that makes us any better. Because the whole point of Ryan Reeves was for Sidney Crosby to feel comfortable. Well, he's at 1.19 points per 60, so let's fucking not pretend that that's having any positive impact whatsoever on his game. Yep. Oh, I'm down with that. <laughs> right? He's at yeah, 1.19. I thought he was supposed to be feel comfortable and be doing great. I thought he needed to say, I thought he needed a warm baby blanket because Sid's definitely not tough enough to do it on his own. Oh, angry boy. Because I'm so sick of it. Oh, no, I, look, I'm, all, I, I'm on board. Don't get me wrong. And I don't, don't, I don't necessarily know if Sprong's ready because the problem there, well, I, I don't mean it is a problem per se. He's He's scoring goals, but a lot of them are on the power play. More than half of them, he's not going to really get that look. I don't no. think. 
So, but the team needs assistance at five on five. That's the thing. It's not even a matter of like, oh, giving the time on the power play to rack up his points. Pittsburgh need five on five goals. That that's where they're struggling to score. They can't generate enough shots at five on five, and and they're not putting them in when they get them. So at some point here, you have to think about calling him up, even if he's not quite ready, ready, like they want him to be, because now you're in a dogfight for the playoffs. That wiggle room that was banked earlier in the year is gone. You don't even have games in hand. Yeah. It's not doomsday yet, but this is not going to work. This isn't, oh, well, they'll figure it out. They'll snap out of it. There's nothing to snap out of. This is a long trend that was going on during their cup run last year. Well, what's what the changed? Fact, the fact, yeah. What changed was their PDO was leading the league, and now it's last. They're the same mediocre possession team. I suppose here's the thing. Murray has come back to not just league average, but below league average. He's let in a, a lot of goals this year that Fleury got criticised for giving up and costing games. Um, so it's he has to be better than he currently is. He's below league average at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, his away record is terrible um, save percentage-wise compared to at home. So there could be team effects in front of him for, for both of those results, but he needs to he needs to be better. Like, <clears throat> yeah, they're paying him cheaper than than he currently is, but they can't afford to have their goalie not be at least league average. He's been bad. I'm a big uh, supporter of his. He's been bad this year, flat out bad. And that's not helped there. <laughs> not helped there because they then the team justifiably could have gone into the season going, all right, we know we're short on on skill here, here, and here. But we think Murray's abilities will be able to cover up some of those problems we have, and we should be able to get out of some games. Yeah, um, but but they did not work at all. They get a legit backup goalie. No, 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 no. no. I'm not suggesting that they they should have gone with a with a rubbish bin as as a backup goalie. But Murray performing to at least league average, which I was was my minimum expectation of him, probably have them win a couple more games than they currently have. Yeah, no doubt. That's a big part of the problem. I don't think it's going to be like a long-term problem where it was a mirage for Matt Murray. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I wasn't calling for Vezina trophies for him. I saw a little bit of that. But I I thought he would be on the upper half of the league. He hasn't been. So he's got to get his shit together. Yeah, doesn't look like it's uh, going to happen anytime soon. Carl Hagelin can act like a $4 million player at any point in time, too. We could also not trade away players that are good at uh, transitional offense out of the defensive zone and score on his old team as well. Hmm? Fucking Derek Pouliot. Oh, well, you know, that wasn't wasn't going to happen. No, no. But yeah, Carl Hagelin is $4 million of a dead weight at the moment, and I'm glad that we got the good Carl Hagelin when he first lobbed in. 
Um, that was um, lightning in a bottle. Yeah, that certainly was. But this is the kind. thing is really weird because when you're a Penguins fan and you watch him every day, I now understand why the Rangers fans got sick of him because he skates around, looks really fast, looks sweet on his skates, but does nothing. And then when you watch the Chicago Blackhawks-Penguins game, that's what the Chicago commentators were talking about is how smooth the skater Hagelin is and how great he is getting on the forecheck. So you kind of get this Without looking at the numbers, I can see how you get this misinterpreted idea of the value that Hagelin can bring. Now, the club itself, Pittsburgh, have no excuse for being blinded by all the the, the silky smooth skating and, and the speed that Hagelin can produce. They've got to get more out of him or just sit him. He has three points in 22 games. And that's unacceptable at a million dollars a year, let alone four. And he's getting Geno time. Yeah, that 0. one... 0.41 points per 60. <clears throat> Still a good possession player, but it it's not good enough. It's not good enough when, you know, your team's struggling to, to put up offense. Well, he's part of the struggle. <laughs> yeah, and a big one. Yeah, he's a, he's a cause of the struggle, not a solution to it at the moment. I don't know what they do there. His play has been so bad, you can't even trade him at this point. I'll just give him to Chiarelli for McDavid, like you said before with Ian Cole. Oh, now we're packaging a deal? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to package it up. Okay. He's the sort of, he is the sort of player that could work next to McDavid because of the speed. And what they don't currently have, speed-wise. No, that's, I don't That's know. the sort of speed that they need to find to play next to him. It is, but there needs to be passing and shooting skill. Well, tell that to Pascal Dupuis. He had more of it than Hagelin. He could shoot. No, you say, and that, that's the thing. You're not wrong, but that's a thing that a Dupuis lot of people forget. Correct. And he worked his ass off to make sure he could. Dupuis was a good player went before the the blood stuff and the last year and a half or so he was he was really good I thought funny because he came in as a fourth liner on that first cup team in '09 <laughs> so yeah I just right now it's pointless to expect anything different until you get things changed. And sometimes you hear about Connor Sherry's name being Sherry. Sherry, I'll get it right. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> well, coming up in like trade stuff, and it's like, no, that's the kind of contract I want. Should, should we be worried about the type of hockey that Sullivan wants the team to play? Is he a one-trick pony with what he can deliver on the ice? Your guess is as good as mine, and anybody else would just be pretending to answer that, too. 
you know, it's it's like at least with Bilesman when it was it felt like he was a one trick pony, they still were at least winning the possession battle. They still had the puck more often than not. Now that might be a product of the fact that he had Sid and Gino smack bang in the middle of their primes. Um and but Paul he was Martin. at least and Paul Martin. Sorry, I forgot about P Mart. You're exactly right. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, and it's Chris. He did have a very good roster, didn't he? But those guys were really good, and this defense core is not. Latang's had a struggle, so I think they're being overblown a little bit. Definitely a rough start. I think we're doing the same similar things that happened on a much smaller scale to Derek Pouliot where you notice a, a mistake that is clearly shitty. <laughs> <laughs> but you let that override the other stuff. I, yeah, I, it, it's almost like they expected Latang to come in and fix the known problems that you could see might cause Pittsburgh some issues, which, you know, as the season's moved along, have. But, you know, I, and I love Latang. I think Latang's awesome. But he's not Eric Carlson. You know, anybody that tries to put any other defender in that kind of bracket is just crazy. You know, Carlson's an absolute game-changing defenseman. Latang is great, but he's not a uh, can put your he's put your team on his back. He's a game-changing defenseman. He he he. When he's on, he is. But um, Carlson's a game-changing defenseman slash forward. <laughs> Slash everything you need him to be. Yeah, he's and, he's everywhere. And and I remember, I remember you saying about Latang though that the team wanted him to be a little bit more introspective about some of his decision making at times, and I don't think that's helped him at all. You've got a player that was that would skate balls and all. He's a reactionary and, player who's in tremendous yeah. physical shape. He can do some. He he might get into some trouble because of these reactions at times, but he's so strong on his skates and talented that he can get out of those situations. And sometimes it blows up in your face. I'd rather have him playing like that than playing like a robot. Yeah. And, and that's, that kind of worries me a little bit is that as soon as you ask players to start to think in this sport in particular, because the, the timeframes are so small for decision-making because this sport is so fast as soon as you ask him to start thinking about making a choice, the opportunity's gone, or they've got but they've gone blown by him. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether he stays at this or whether he slowly works his way back into being the reactionary monster that he was the last couple of years. Malkin is not playing tonight. So what about six zero? Quote unquote, Tampa? day to day. <laughs> so we'll see him at the uh, we'll see him at Christmas then. If we're lucky. <laughs> <sighs> he was skating the other day and looked good, but it's an upper body injury, so the skating really is irrelevant. I you get there with Juno and you you look you just go he's going to play sixty ish games. You just you you organize your year around that. You just hope that when he misses the games. It's not at a crucial part of the year where your team might be slumping and you need some genius to pull you... Oh, crap, that's exactly where Pittsburgh is right now. Yeah, in other years they've had that cushion. And could and, and Benino playing better than 
like he didn't have a great year last year, but Gino went out that first cup run of the two, and HBK was excellent, and they got him through. And then Malkin magically showed up in the playoffs. Yeah. And probably, <laughs> or wait. No, the first year was Phil should have won the Conn Smythe. The last Correct. year, Gino. But Sid got both. I don't know. I don't know. It's, there's a little bit of uh, anti-hero inside of it. It's like, it would be interesting to see what happens to this team. So they do miss the playoffs. Oh, boy. What happens? Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I, I don't think that, you know, we're quite there yet. That would be an interesting thing. Because you look at the teams that Pittsburgh have now got to get in front of. you got right? a short-term GM. Uh, yeah. Not because he's going to get fired, but, like, you know, the age thing's real. Of the teams in front of Pittsburgh, who are they likely to pass? You go, New Jersey's the most likely team to sort of fall away as the year goes along, but I'm not banking on that because Corey Schneider's being Corey Schneider. The Islanders, you can kind of maybe not trust because of their back end, but they're still playing great hockey. Once you get out of the playoffs, and I know it's only like the arbitrary... You've got to be in the playoffs at this date. Well, Washington was playing bad, but now they're getting points in the standings. Yeah. And the Rangers, who looked like they were absolutely toast, had Henrik Lundqvist turn into Henrik Lundqvist of five years ago, and suddenly they're like six of seven or something like that, and they've been absolutely incredible. So eight, eight and it's two not, in their last ten. Yeah. He's not unre- it's, like, it's not unrecoverable for Pittsburgh. They just don't have the tools in the toolbox at the moment that makes me think, yeah, that it's there to go. Like, unless Juno comes back and suddenly sparks the team for, a, you know, a 6-2 and two run or something like that, it, it, I just struggle to see how they're going to... Or Sid grab figures it out, even strength. Sid could do something, too. Well, that's true. Pittsburgh's minus 20 goal differential. There's only two other teams in the conference worse than that, Montreal and Buffalo. They did have those two blowout games, though. But that happened. No, I know. I'm not saying you discount it. It's just a lot of those goals come from... This is the thing with goal differential not really making a rat's ass a difference. It doesn't matter if you lose 10-2. It's still a zero-point game for you. You can go and win the next 10 games one No, nil. I get it, but uh, there's only one team in the West lower than them, and that's Arizona at minus 29, so... The it f- highlights that they do have issues, though. Absolutely it does. They're the fourth worst team in the league at goal differential. They and, just don't and, have... And, okay, you want to take t- the 10-goal game away from that? Uh, what was it, 10-3? Yeah, it's still, it's still 13 goals against. Which is still... Terrible. Um, they're still the oh, third worst the in the conference. Yeah, I'm not arguing that, you know, taking those two blowout games away makes them look substantially better. It's just you, you sit there and in this particular sport, there's no such thing as percentage. So when you do get absolutely blown out, it doesn't make a rat's ass a difference. If Pittsburgh managed to get themselves back to being like a plus 10 or a plus 
11 team for the year, they'll make the playoffs. But if they're hovering around zero, I think they're going to struggle. If they're still in the negative, they're going to struggle to make the playoffs because they just won't have scored enough goals. At the bare minute, they need to win 20 more games just to get themselves back to zero. They are entering December. Rutherford's had some memorable Decembers in Pittsburgh, moving either players and coaches. I'm not suggesting (laughs) a coach one this year, but I'm saying usually doesn't wait much longer than this to, to make a move, so... I think it's got to happen. I just don't... You mentioned it last week and then, you know, this week as well. They don't have the pieces to do so, like, unless they move... Like, you can't... You're not going to get much for, like, Sprong and Zach Aston-Reese and, and players along those no, lines. No, Aston-Reese has no value. Sprong might have a little bit, but not as much as what yeah. people would want from it. So you can't whack him in with Hagelin to get a third-line centre-back. That doesn't work. Like, you can't, you can't, it's not like when you can play on a computer game where you just add volume to collect yourself a quality player at the other end. It just, not even Chiarelli's that stupid. Yeah, you're looking at an Ali Mata type that has term. And are you looking? Are you looking for? If you give up Olimata, you need to, you need to hit with this. Like you don't need a home run, but you need to make sure you at least get a triple out of that trade, just because of the structural value that Mata has on that back six. I mean, I think the Penguins could get over it this year with Latang, Dumoulin, Schultz, Cole. And then you still, if you want, the Hunwick Ruedel. No, it's not. Um, they're not in a spot where they won't feel a sting from the current roster if they make a big trade. It's not going to be like and what Nashville did. Yeah, and that's the price you pay for being in a window as long as Pittsburgh have been. You eventually yeah, they're, start they're running out of. And you eventually start to run out of assets you can trade that don't affect your current playing roster. Nobody else in the cap has done two in a row. I mean, going three, even, let's say, health is perfect, PDO is average and all that. The chances of three-peating were low even if things went right. Yeah. It's just the sport, you know? But right now, it would just be laughable if they were to advance in the playoffs at status quo. I, I can't see this team winning in the first round unless you, you have Matt Murray turn into, you know. Well, they're going to have to go through two Metro teams, which, you know, we haven't spoken much about Carolina yet. They could make trades to improve during the year, and they're a top five expected goals for team percentage. They still, they still can't get any consistent fucking goaltending though. Just give them league average goaltending, and they'll win the freaking division. I reckon. Seriously, that's how good they've been. That's also how bad the other end of the. <laughs> Once again, they just can't seem to find someone. I really thought uh, Darling would 
would be able to help them out in that situation and just hasn't been able to. But they do have games in hand. So even though they're a little bit down in the standings, they're not really down, down. No, I, they'll, they'll make the playoffs. It, it's just it's one of those things where can they actually get themselves a good a good seeding where they're more likely to win than lose? Well, they make Toronto look the same speed as them, and I think that's a real feather in their cap for how good they are. Because yeah. Toronto is fast. So let's say Pittsburgh gets through the two Metro teams. Okay, now you get Tampa or Toronto. Yeah, I don't like anybody's chances against Tampa at the moment. <laughs> no, true. So, lots of things to sort out. At least it's not boring. No. To be honest, the Penguins games, actually watching the Penguins games, can be a little bit snooze-festy at times, which is weird, because they're playing high event hockey, right? But the games themselves haven't really been something that I've, I've, I think particularly exciting has been happening in any of these games. you know what I mean? Well, so, in previous years, they had three lines where on any given shift, somebody would do something fun to watch. And they just don't have that right now. They don't even have, they have maybe one line with Malkin out. Yeah, you put Sheehan in with Gensel and Kessel, like he's <laughs> dragging them down. Yeah. Sid's uh, in a slump, so I know he scored last game, but whatever. It's still a slump for him. Yeah, and and the way the team's constructed, he hits any slump and it gets nasty for the team very quickly. And Phil's had a good year. Phil's been fantastic. He's been their best player by quite some way because of how consistent he's been. So, I don't know. Feels like a lot of complaining, but there's not a lot of good going on right now. Well, no, not for not for Pittsburgh. And I just enjoyed trashing. I think it is the, I think it is the fact that the Edmonton media, the old school mainstream media, basically handed them the Stanley Cup as soon as they got it. And I, I think the fact that it's not turning out quite how they thought um, is a nice feeling. Because they like do a sheriff with a badge that thinks they can do whatever they want, and their word goes, and everybody's like, "No, yeah. that's actually really fucking stupid." And you know, and they trash no. out like everyone else, so it's like, "Fuck you!" I can't absolutely. believe what's happening. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Can't wait for McDavid to leave. He's gonna wait sixty-five years though, because of those contracts. He's one of the few guys that could be like, you know what, I'm out. As crazy as it sounds, it'd be worth him sitting out a whole year to make it happen. <clears throat> he He's better sitting out one year than to play eight for Edmonton. You know, if it goes pear-shaped again next year... This is on the proviso they don't make the playoffs, so there's a lot of if buts and candy and nuts in this. But if if um, it goes pear shaped again, I don't know what he does. Like, how can you just go fire him or I'm gone? 
that conversation should have already happened. Oh, no, I, I agree with that. But yeah. you know what? Hockey players are hockey players during their careers for the most part. I wouldn't expect Sidney Crosby to be good at analyzing. Why they're losing? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, like Wayne Gretzky was a terrible coach. So yeah, I always great put players. That... I don't. I yeah, you can't, can't translate what you can't translate what they know verbally. They are what they are, and they're great for a reason. They can see things that others can't. Yeah. Well, I'm out of things on my little list I made. I was really bad and didn't make a list because I got up straight out of bed. <laughs> so I think that covers it. All right. Let's, uh... this, time zone, this time zone stuff sucks when it goes to 13 hours, I tell you. No, it, it really does. It's either really late or really early for one or the other. Yeah, and to be honest, 5.30 on a Sunday morning for a podcast was a little brutal, but it was like I woke up, I might as well. <laughs> I couldn't believe you were up. Yeah, but the reason we didn't do it overnight was you couldn't believe I was asleep either. So it kind of works six or one half a dozen to the other. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did try to do this about. It's four hours ago. Yeah. So, uh, well, what do we got? Let them know. Uh, we got to let them know where to find us. You're at Gunner Stall. I'm at Walshy sixty six. We've got. HockeyBuzz.com for that man on the other side of the planet. We've got uh, HockeyHurts.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Just search for Hockey Hurts in Facebook. You will find us there. Um, we're also on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com, Hockey underscore Hurts. Uh, our Twitter feed is Hockey underscore Hurts. Um, I still can't work out why I keep repeating this, because if you've got this far in the podcast, you theoretically would already know it all anyway. Uh, did I miss anything? iTunes? Rate us on iTunes or whatever app you use <laughs> to listen to the podcast. Um, that would be great. Just means more people can find us um, and helps us make sure that we do actually get up in the morning and do the podcast. I think that does cover it. Yay! I always miss one. Yeah. I like how I've outsourced it. You've done well. I think outsourcing that is not a bad idea at all. That's very, very clever. <laughs> uh, we will see you next time. When that is, we don't know, but we'll see you then. <laughs> Bye.